We are closing out the series today, How to Not Ruin Your Family, right? Uh, the, the, the double negative there is because we, we're really coming at it from the standpoint of we know that there's some things we could naturally do, ways that the culture tells us is okay, things we just kind of naturally within our own strength try to do to manage and, and run our families. And quite frankly, those are some things that can cause us to ruin our families, But we believe God's word has something to say, something to say to us, whether you're a family of one, whether you're a family of 21, right, of how to live his way and and to really choose a path to not ruin your family. That's what the series has all been about. Quick recap. We talked about the idea of don't ignore your marriage. You want to ruin your family? Ignore your marriage, right? But in terms of just what does it look like, we believe marriage is the foundation of families. So don't ignore your marriage. Don't create confusion, right? In your marriage, in your, in your household, like live with purpose, live with clarity. It doesn't help when you guys aren't on the same page at all. It doesn't help. You need to be unified. And what do you unify around? And that's part of what we talked about in terms of priorities in your marriage and in your family, as well as the next week where Pastor Shin, our student pastor, talked about uh, don't forget boundaries, right? And it all comes from the boundaries we place uh, in terms of our relationship with Christ first, and foremost, that was last week. So I encourage you, if you missed any of these, uh, all of them were really good. Just please go back and listen and watch Pastor Don, Pastor Shin, uh, as they kind of spoke into this series. Today, I'm closing us out with this idea. Do not or don't <laughs> create conflict. Don't create conflict. And I, I told our first service, I'll tell you, I know that there's a natural instinct in you to say, Matt, I don't. They do right? Okay, Matt, I don't create conflict, but you don't understand. I married crazy, and you don't understand that, okay? Right? I, Matt, I, I, I know you say don't create conflict, but, you know, a dark spirit entered my middle schooler and has been there ever since, and it's nothing but conflict. I, Matt, you don't understand. It's election season on top of a pandemic, on top of murder hornets, and all other sorts of things. Like, I understand I'm not supposed to be at uh, the source of conflict, but it's not my fault. It's everyone else around me. Well, that may be true. (laughs) But it always, you know, the old saying, it takes two to tango, right? There is no conflict without two opposing forces. If you are creating conflict within yourself and and you're arguing with yourself, you need professional help. And we can send you to some amazing counselors, okay? But when it comes to this idea of conflict, I want to talk about you, your side of the equation, in terms of opposing forces that create conflict in your life. Because we are, I believe the word of God talks to us about this, how we're to, to not create conflict, not be the source that creates conflict, because it is going to lead us to a path to ruin. Now, the best thing about this is that really, we have realized through counseling and lots of conversation that, that this, can, this can be stopped. This is something you can, you have, this is not a hopeless situation. Most conflict comes because of a, a lack of healthy communication comes without an understanding of, of good communication habits, okay? There's a lot that can be done. There's so many things you can do to help your scenario. So today I'm going to look at just a few of them in terms of what we're called not to create, in terms of don't create confusion in our families and with others, but also what we are called by the Word of God to communicate. How do we better communicate what God's called us to do? First and foremost, don't create conflict in your relationships. 
I'm talking about your, the people you love and are in relationship with. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend, could be a, a fiance, could be a husband, could be a wife, could be kids, parents to children, and children to parents. These are the people that you claim to love the most. Don't be the source. Don't create conflict in those relationships. I'm going to read a couple passages from Peter quite a bit today, actually, from 1 Peter and from some from Paul in the New Testament. But uh, Peter had a lot to say in terms of this, in terms of the husband and wife and how this works in a marriage relationship. But there's a lot of things we can unpack and uncover from it. This is in 1 Peter 3, 2. Or three, sorry, 3, verse 1 and 2. He goes on, he's kind of giving them a big, big picture of how we relate to one another. And he goes on to say, in the same way, wives. Wives must accept the authority of their husbands. And don't let the word authority throw you. If you weren't here for the first week where Pastor Don talked about the foundation of marriage, we believe what the Bible says in terms of the foundation of a biblical marriage is that he's placed spiritual leadership and responsibility on the men. On, on the dads, on the husbands. So that's, we believe that's true. So in this case, you know, Peter is writing from that context and saying, listen, you, you have to accept the authority that God's placed there. But it says, but even then, some of you, even when that happens, if some refuse to obey the good news, talking about the husbands, if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Peter is saying sometimes even by not saying that there there might be a source or a possibility of conflict when a husband and wife are not on the same page. We talked about this two weeks ago. But in in terms of conflict, there sometimes becomes this sense that in order to get something done, there has to be sort of this this, uh, quarrel, you know, nagging, um, fighting, cutting down on each other, disrespecting one another. And that's not necessary. I'm, you know, this, is, this, again, this is a, talking about wives to husbands, but it can be across the board. It's not, it's not, it's not going to get you anywhere. That kind of negative action is not going to get you anywhere. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even need to be words. Your tone, your grunts, your, your silent treatment, right? Is your actions are louder than words. And we know that from a negative context, even though it doesn't sway us. But it's still true, as he's saying, it's positive. Like, your faith, your wisdom, your perseverance in, in these trials, even when you're not on the same page, when you choose to live God's way, it will be seen. And in this case, it will be rewarded. You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> I find many couples just have a natural default, okay? Just sort of default to sort of this, this negative communication style that doesn't really help them. It doesn't get them anywhere. Proverbs, there's a couple of great Proverbs where Proverbs talks about, you know, a quarrelsome household, a quarrelsome wife. You know, it's, it's like the dripping of water, okay, in a household. Another proverb says, you know, a man would rather, you know, sit on the corner of his roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And it's true. See, the fighting and the nagging and the picking, and I'm not just picking on women, I'm going to pick on men in a minute, so just hold on. Okay, listen, the fighting and the nagging and the picking and the, and the sort of negative way to try to get attention, try to make change, isn't working. I don't know if you know that yet. It isn't working, it doesn't help, and it doesn't move you in the direction of doing things God's way. 
It's poor communication and it's conflict. Same thing goes again for husbands. This is a little bit later on where Peter says, in the same way you, husbands, you must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Goes on and says, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift in a new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, don't get riled up, ladies, about the weaker part. This is just, this is just Peter talking about the fact that, look, most men try to get their own way by forcing it. Men, nod your head if you agree, yes. Most men try to get their own way by forcing it and forcing it onto, onto their wives and onto their family. And Peter's trying to say, listen, there's a bigger picture. There's a role. There's a value that God's placed on the wives, on the women in your life. And it says they are equal partners in this new life, this marriage, this family. Don't try to force your way. Don't try to force your your options. Listen, if you don't honor her, if you don't work to understand her, you're going to actually, there's a consequence to that. You're actually creating distance between you and God, which is why your prayers don't get answered. There's some consequences to this. Anytime we we sin, we create distance between us and God, and it can cause problems. So here he is talking to husbands and wives. He's like, look, guys, like, like fighting should not, it should be the exception to your marriage. Okay? I mean, I'm not saying there's not going to be conflict, but listen, this sort of like this, it should not be a default mode, right? Fighting in your marriage should not be the default mode. There should be a way for you to move towards healthy communication and better communication habits. Matter of fact, this is what Paul says before he starts talking about husbands and wives. He says, across the board, he says, you got to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like there's a mutual submission that's supposed to be going on. Even when struggles come, even when problems arise, there's a, a mutual submission that you're called to and that I'm called to not to create confusion, but to help us communicate what he's told us to communicate. Especially in our close relationship, guys, he's called us to communicate respect and love. That's what we're called to communicate. Again, we're talking about the, the, the people that are closest to us. And I see young, I see teenagers and kids in the room. Let me just tell you something. Sometimes I hear how kids talk to their parents, the people they claim to love, and it is horrendous. Okay? It is not good. They are the source of conflict in that relationship. And that's not what you and parents, we're going to talk about you in a minute, but that's not what you are called to communicate. You are called to communicate honor, called to communicate respect. You're called to communicate love to one another. That's where our focus should be. Again, not a default of just nagging and cutting down and manipulating but of communicating in a healthy way how much you love and honor and respect one another. This is Paul continuing on to that passage in Ephesians 5. He says, as Scripture says, a man leaves his father and his mother, and he is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. That's that beautiful covenant relationship, as Pastor Don talked about a few weeks ago. Coming together as one. He goes on to say that this is a great mystery. How, do, how does two become one in God's eyes? But it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. It's a beautiful picture. So again, I say, this is his summary sentence. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, there's a beautiful resource by Emerson uh, Egrich. Go ahead and go to the book cover. It's called Love and Respect. And this is one that I oftentimes... Um, 
uh, will tell people to read. And this is a good resource for any marriage in terms of supporting your marriage to help you understand, and I'll give you the quick circle picture, but it's a circle of respect that feeds love and love that feeds respect, and around and around and around and around the circle goes, okay? And this tends to be the thing, these two things tend to be the root of when marriages go off track and the wheel stops. Because respect, when you, when you disrespect or you have a lack of respect, then it kind of derails the love, and then love you know, that doesn't exist derails respect. See, does it make sense? And it's also, the reason it's so important is because it's also the two things that help every marriage reconcile. It helps redeem relationships because once you understand it and you go back to understanding that respect is going to fuel love and love is going to fuel respect and that continues to be more respect that fuels more love and so forth and so on it goes. It's a phenomenal book. It's a great resource for you. It's a great way to help you remember that this is what we are called to communicate. This is what we're called to do as followers of Christ in those close relationships. Not create conflict, but communicate Love and respect. Again, we read this a couple weeks ago, but this is our definition of love. It's patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud or rude. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And it always protects, and it always trusts, and it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the love we're given by God. And this is the love we're called to communicate to one another. Okay? Not to be the source of conflict in our marriages. And again, I know there's a little pushback, like, uh, I think they're more of the source than I am. Okay? But it takes two to tango, and I'm promising you, you need to be prayerfully considering how you are a part of the conflict in your home. And how are you doing in terms of when it comes to communicating respect and love? We have a few groups starting, just to give you a quick heads up. We have some small groups starting. Um, I think we've already told you financial peace is actually starting tomorrow night. So today is the last day. Uh, I know uh, Wendy and Tony are here. They can be at the info bar. It's the last day to get information and sign up for that, but it actually starts tomorrow night. We have three other groups starting. One's a prayer journey, 40-day prayer journey around Mark Batterson's book. Uh, one is a Bible study group in terms of how do you study the Bible, study the Word of God, not just how do you read the Bible, how do you, can you study it in context. And then Tracy and I will be leading a marriage group just for the fall. We're going to take people through resources like this. Okay, well, here's another book. I'll give you an example. This is called Five Love Languages. This is one of the books we'll go through and walk through some of these resources because this, this has been life-changing for so many couples. Right? Knowing that there is a language in which you speak and how you receive and interpret love. <laughs> and your, your language might be, you know, quality time, and their language might be gifts, and I can promise you, you're missing one another. You know? Your language might be words of affirmation, but their language might be acts of service. Oh boy, are you missing one another? It's a great tool, great book, great resource. And some of these groups, I think, would help as well. Just put that on your, on your brain. It'll be coming out in the next couple weeks. In terms of parents and kids, don't create conflict with your kids, with your children. Okay? This is a really, this is a really big one for all the parents in the room I'm talking to you right now. Parents are like, yes. Kids are like, yes. Get them, dad. Get them, get them, Pastor Matt. Here we go. Fathers, 
Better aptly worded from terms of translation, parents, authority. Do not exasperate, irritate, provoke to anger. Okay, all the translations in there. Everybody nod your head of you with me, right? Your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Don't, don't, like, don't create conflict for your kids. Now, I get it. This is the deal. You're parenting. Conflict happens, okay? I think it's your children's job, and they do, some do a better job than others, but it's your children's job to push the boundaries, to test limits, okay? To try things, to, to, to experience consequences, and, 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 and that's true. <clears throat> Trust me, you want them to do this in your home, Okay? You want them to do this with you. You don't want them to not, not push those boundaries until they leave you and they have to experience the consequences without you there to help. So that's part of their job is to push back. So there will be conflict. Parents, just nod your head. Yes, there will be conflict with your kids. You're not supposed to be the source of conflict. You're not supposed to be the one that irritates your children and provokes them to anger. And most of the time, listen, most of the time when I see this, even in my own life, it has everything to do with losing sight of the fact that we as parents are stewards of our children for a very short time. They belong to God. We are stewards of their lives for the time that we have them. And that time gets shorter and shorter the older and older they get. Most of the time when parents stop thinking about stewardship, all they're thinking about is control. How do I control my children? How can I control the situation? How can I control what's happening with my kids at home? And when control becomes the factor, you're going to, you're going to be the source of conflict. Because sometimes you'll get them just riled up just so you can smash them and prove who the authority is. I'm not saying I have ever done that, Right? Sometimes, sometimes you will forget that you're the steward and think that they're making you look bad. And so your need to control, your need to exert the authority over them is going to provoke them to anger. It's going to, it's going to irritate them. No, no wonder they're irritated. They know that this has nothing to do with raising them and training them in the Lord. It has everything to do with your control. Kids can smell that. We're not supposed to be the source of conflict. We're supposed to, this is as parents, just remember what we're called to. We're called to communicate hope. That's what we're called to do. Now, I like to use the word absolute hope. It's part of what we do at Journey. And the reason is, just to continue to clarify, it's not wishful thinking in terms of how we say hope. We say absolute hope, meaning our trust in God. Our hope is our trust and our faith in God. Absolute hope is in Jesus Christ. That's what we, in this small period of time that we have to raise our children, we're called to communicate who our trust is in. Not to try to control everything, but to train them up and to raise them in the instruction of the Lord is to communicate hope. Great passage in Deuteronomy. Everybody knows the beginning because this is what Jesus quoted. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your strength. Jesus uses that as part of the great commandment. That's part of the, this comes from Deuteronomy, from the law. It says you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. But watch where the context of this comes in. Repeat them again and again to your, who? Say it out loud. 
to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Okay? Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Like this is so important that even the Old Testament is saying, parents, as this period of time you have to steward your children, you're supposed to be communicating who your hope is in, loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and living out these commands. And I want you to repeat those over and over and over again. Matter of fact, the, the summary of this verse is all the time, everywhere. Everybody say all the time. Yeah, everywhere. Say it. That's what we're called to. Not to instigate, provoke, exasperate our kids. We're called to communicate hope. We're called to communicate who our trust is in. Let me just tell you something. Every one of your children right now, grown children and small children, everyone right now, every one of your children are looking to you during this election season to see who your hope is in. Is your hope in who's going to be elected? What's going to be changing in the government in the next few months? Is that what you're telling your kids by your actions and your words and your behavior? By the conflict they see? Are they worried about work? Is, is your hope in your job? Is your hope in your, 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 your relationships? Where are they seeing you put your hope? Where are they seeing you, whether you know it or not, repeating it over and over and over and over again, where your hope is, because that's the cue your kids are taking from you. Who's your hope in? Who's your trust in? We're called, followers of Christ, as parents, to communicate absolute hope to our kids. Who our trust and what our trust is really in. Another great, another great Proverbs. Direct your children on the right path, and when they get older, they will not leave it. Now, many people struggle a little bit with this when their kids get older, because it can, it can be a source of condemnation. I mean, many, many people struggle with, with their older children going wayward, leaving the faith. And a verse like this, they really struggle with because a verse like this leads to condemnation, makes you feel guilty about what you did and didn't do as a parent. But understand, this is a proverb. This is not a promise. This is a proverb, which means it's wisdom, meaning that the wisdom is to understand that when you invest on the front end, you're going to see benefit on the back end. When you invest in their directing their path and you, 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 you're instructing them in the Lord, that they're going to know where the path is. Your children still have the choice to reject it. I mean, my, my kids, I, I always worry about my kids, Tracy and I do, but the reality is our kids, their, their faith has to become their own faith. It can't be borrowed from me and Tracy. It has to become their own. Now, we've instructed and we've laid it out and we give examples. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, my parents are still examples to me of communicating hope into my life. They're 80, and they're still the example that I look to. And for our kids, I, I just know our goal is to drive an anchor as deep as we possibly can of the truth of the Word of God so that even, as they, even if they stray, even if they take a day hike off the, off the path, you know, which all kids tend to do, they're going to know which path to take. Okay? They, they're they're going to know what they can return to when they return to it. So just understand the wisdom that's there. It's not a promise. It's, a, it's wisdom. It's what a proverb is. It's wisdom from God. The, th the third one I want to give you really quickly is 
don't create conflict with others. Now, I'm using others kind of in a general term, but let me, let me tell you who others I'm talking about. I'm talking about your extended family, your close friends. I'm talking about the people that are in the circle of your life, okay? Don't be the source of conflict for the other people in your life. It's kind of all-encompassing. And this is a big one today, and actually we're going to be talking about this. I'm setting it up a little bit for the next series, but um, today I want to talk about how we react and respond to conflict as well as how we act, how we initiate. Here's, the, the, again, the passage from 1 Peter. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. He's talking to believers. He's talking to followers of Christ. He says, I want you to be of one mind. You have to sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Whether they're brothers or sisters or not, these friends, these people in your circle, sympathize with one another and love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Just because they did it to you does not give you the right to do it to them. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a, what's the word? Mm, we didn't say it that loud like it was the word of God. All right, let's read it again like it's in the Bible. All right? Instead, we're going to pay them back with what? We're going to pay them back with blessing. That's what God's called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Again, see the consequences that are tied to this? Don't retaliate. Just because they did it to you doesn't mean you did it to them. He says, no, I want you to pay it back with a blessing. And I know many of you are thinking right now, oh, I got a blessing for them. <laughs> oh, I got a blessing. I, I think right now the struggle that most people have, especially in this online social media-centric world where most of us, most of who we are is expressed, is that we have to be very, very careful as to what we are communicating. I know right now I want you to think about it. Who in your life always seems to be looking for an argument? Okay, the people, the people that you know, the people in your circles, the people online who just want to argue. You know, they kind of troll to other people's posts just to find the opposing view and go, go post on their page. They're contrary for the sake of needing to disagree with someone. They, you can tell they almost get a little bit of a charge out of it. Now, I know everybody right now is thinking of the person that, you, that, I came, that came to mind. I know you're already thinking of who that other person is. The question I really have today is, is it you? And how often is it you? Because I already know it's you. How often is it you? Why do you post what you post? Why do you feel empowered to say what you, need, what you think you need to say and you have the right to say when you know, when you absolutely know it's going to cause conflict? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? It's our constant need to be right. It's a constant feeding of our pride. And yet we're called to so much more. Again, 1 Peter Continues on and says, you need to worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about the hope you have as a believer, always be ready. Always be ready to explain it. Always be ready. 
Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. If people speak out against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Notice it didn't say they would be ashamed of what a good life you live because you're so awesome. No, it's because you belong to Christ. Okay? There's two things in this verse you need to understand. Number one is that you are supposed to be living a life in which people ask you about your faith. Ask you about the hope you have, about why your trust is not in the same thing that other people trust in. Why is it different? Okay? And they can't ask you that when you are living a life that's creating conflict with those in your circle because the people who see you create conflict, they don't give a rip what you believe. They don't care what you say and what you think in terms of your belief and your faith. All they see is noise and conflict that you create and that you're a part of. Not only are you supposed to live this life that, that people ask you about the hope that's within you, that you got to do it in a way that's gentle and respectful. It doesn't work when you call them an idiot. Everybody with me? Right? Hey, it doesn't work when you're really smart that you can call them an idiot without them knowing you called them an idiot. It doesn't work either. We're called to so much more. We're called to be blessings. We're called to bless others. We're called to repay those insults with blessings so that we can receive his blessing. What are we ultimately called to communicate? And I'll, I'll give you this just for a minute. Right now in our country, there is a temptation. And I just want you to hear this from me because it's my temptation as well. There is a temptation to fight for what you have the right to do. What you have the right to say. And currently, in our current culture, it's a, it's a larger charge oftentimes within us when we feel like our right to say it or our right to do it is being marginalized. Now, I want you to hear me say it. You have the right to say whatever you want to say. You have the right to do whatever you want to do. You know, God bless America, right? I want you to think about what you're responsible to do. I want you to think about what you're responsible for and who you're responsible for. See, you have to understand that right now in our culture, something that you have the right to say, what you're responsible to do is going to override that right. What you're responsible, who you're responsible for, and who you are accountable to is going to override what you have the right as an American to say and to do. Which means, listen, you need to think before you speak. You need to pray before you post. Everybody with me? Because we are called to more. We are called to something greater than what you simply have the right to say and what you simply have the right to do. We do not want to be the source and the cause of confusion and, and conflict in our relationships. We want to pay people back with a blessing. We want to be people who can be asked about why our lives would look different. Why are they different? And always be ready to explain that in a gentle and respectful way to those who don't agree with us, to those who don't have the same views. We're called to communicate grace. Grace. 
Now you think, why grace? You're thinking right now, why grace, Matt? I don't know if that's what you're thinking, but that's what you're thinking. Okay, so why grace? Why is that the thing we're called to communicate? I'll tell you why. Because everybody in this room, including myself, we are walking, living, breathing hypocrites. Okay, that's who we are. We are walking, living, breathing pictures, examples of hypocrisy. People just don't know it. But if all were exposed, I can promise you, if everything about you was exposed to someone, there are so many things that you say you believe in, but you do not do. There are so many things that you claim to have faith in, but you do not apply to your life. There are so many ways in which you judge others in which you are primarily guilty of yourself. And there are so many things that you expect others to do and others to care about in which you have nothing but apathy. Same goes for me. So why are we called to communicate grace? Because we so desperately need grace. That's why. We. You remember it said to keep a humble attitude? Oh, it's easy when you understand how desperately you need grace because of your own hypocrisy that's in here. When it's all about your ego and control and pride, you're not going to communicate grace. You're going to communicate that you're right. But we've been called to communicate grace, our need for a Savior, our need for the unmerited favor of God. Not just to each other, but to these circles, these people that we we do life with, and even those online that are in our circles. We have to communicate grace. This is Ephesians. I think this is Paul. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's why grace. Because he's given it to you. You're called to communicate that to others. Keep going. Be joyful. Grow in your maturity. Okay? This is a process. Grow in this. Encouraging one another and living in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Notice how all these have a consequence to them. They have, they have if you just do it this way, not that everything goes perfect, but if you just do it this way, you're doing it God's way. God's going to be with you. You're going to get his blessing. When you communicate, what he's called you to communicate? Again, I'm, I'm going to touch, the, this is a new, the next series is called No Offense. I'll tell you more about it in a minute, but I just want you to think about that as, as you think about this idea of conflict, especially when it comes to others today. Listen, I don't want you to be so focused on what you have the right to do. I want you to think about who you're responsible for, what you're responsible to do in terms of God's calling on your life, and who you are accountable to. For every reaction, for every comment, for every post, for every uttered word, and for every thought, you, are, you and I are all accountable to him. And that should give us so much pause before we fight for our need to be right. Don't create conflict. Here's the last kind of summary for you today. This is a great verse. Whatever you do or say, you do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay? Just, just I mean, if there's nothing else you remember, you don't create conflict because, because we represent Jesus. That's why. 
Don't be the source of conflict in your circles, in your family, with your spouse, with your husband, with your parents, with your kids. Okay? Don't do it. You're supposed to represent him in everything you say and everything you do. We represent him, good or bad. We represent him. That's the reason. We don't want to create conflict. And we can't, guys. I'm just telling you, we, if we are the source of conflict, if we're responding and creating conflict by the response we give in terms of our opposing views and, and the, what we're doing, listen, we can't communicate love and hope and grace because those are conflicting messages. And that's what we're called to. If there's anything I want you to hear in terms of the, the series itself, because I've really enjoyed this series. I think it's been a challenging series for, for my family and hopefully for yours. But if anything I want you to hear, I want you to hear this phrase. God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless your family. That's his desire. Okay? I'm going to call the band to come up, and they're going to kind of get ready in the background. We're going to lead in a very special benediction today, but God wants to. Okay? Understand that part of that two becoming one and, and God having a plan for your life and a purpose for your, for your family, that's a big deal because he wants to bless you. Now, we have to live God's way, okay? We have to do it God's way. We have to, we have to heed the wisdom and the, and, and, and the, and the, and the call to our lives, but, you, but he wants to experience you to have a blessing and for it to bless your family. I'll just be, I am a blessing, okay, not, not because I'm arrogant. I am, I am the result of the blessing of God on my parents. My parents who were not raised in Christian household, my parents who gave their life and surrendered to Jesus when they were adults and who made a radical change in their life and understanding of who God was. And they, and they decided to raise their children in the church, training them, giving them a good foundation. And me, just, just being a pastor, living my life out for Christ, that is a result of the blessing of God to my parents. And it's the same blessing that I want for my kids Okay, my kids are, my three kids, they're, they're going to have to make their faith their own. I cannot control it. I cannot, I cannot dictate how the outcome will be for their life. But I want to, to continue to pray for and know that the way in which we do things, the desire in which we have for our family is for God to bless our family and to bless our children. And in turn, I want him to bless their children. Because that's God's desire. That's his desire and his call for us. So I asked the, the band to, to close with a song today. As the, the lyrics all come from Scripture. Okay, this is an extraordinarily Scripture-filled song that talks about the blessing God wants for you and for your family. So I want you to stand with me. They're going to sing this over us. You can sing back with them. Pray if you need to pray. But just listen and meditate on these words as our benediction today. And then I will come and pray for us and excuse us as soon as we're done.
thousand generations in your family and your children and their children their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children just truly believe that you long to bless the family of God, to bless our families, generation after generation after generation. We could experience so much if we chose to live your way. Oh, God, I just pray those, those words over us today. Your presence is here. Your favor is here. That you are with us, that you are for us. Thank you for this series. Thank you for the 
the, just the, even just the, the challenging season that we're in, God, that there's so many here and so many online and so many as a part of our church that are continuing to look and put their trust and their hope in you. God, we pray that you meet us where we are. Continue to move us forward by your power, by your Holy Spirit, to be who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do. You are for us, God. We're so thankful. In your name, Jesus. Amen.